Uh, we've been in a series called All In. You know, we're, we're, we're taking all of our chips. We're talking about what it means to take all of our chips, right, and, and push it all in. And we're talking about what that means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple, we, we talk about in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It's not on your screen, but it says, whoever will be a disciple of mine, Jesus says, he, he, he's going to deny yourself, you're going to pick up your cross, and you're going to follow me. Man, that's a powerful all-in verse. I said, you're going to deny yourself, you, you're going to die to self, you're going to pick up the cross, you're going to die to self, and then you're going to pursue after me with all of your heart. And then that's what we've been really, you know, just talking about the last few weeks, to really understand what that means as a follower of Jesus, to go in all in. And here's what I find out to be, be true for a lot of us, including me sometimes, uh, including me. Sometimes I'm willing to, 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 to push a lot of it in, but there's always that one chip that I hold back. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm just being real here, all right? There's always like, hey, God, I'm willing to go all in, but uh, you know what? I kind of like this. And we talked about last Sunday that sacrifice is giving up something you love, that one chip that you're just holding on to, giving up something you love for something that you love a whole lot more. Well, you say, okay, Jesus, I love you more than the thing that I love by myself. And that's talking about going all in. And, and, and today, we're going to talk about what it means to go all in with sharing your faith. Sharing your faith. We're going to talk about what it means to have a winning hand. The winning hand where everyone wins, where you can share the faith, where you can win others with your winning hand. And what does it mean to have a winning hand? What does it mean to share your faith? What, it, what does it mean to be an inviter, to be a bringer? You know, bringing people to Jesus, bringing and inviting people to Jesus, inviting them to church. Invite them to hear about Jesus, to come experience Jesus, and that they hear the message of the gospel on a Sunday or in a small group. Or maybe there's something else that's going on, but you say, you know what, I'm going I'm to get them there. We're, we're doing an English as second language class on Monday nights. Got about a dozen people attending that class. You know, every Sunday, every Monday night, five minute little devotion about the gospel. And, and, and teaching them who Jesus is. And, 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 and helping people to, I mean, we're literally trying to reach the nations here in our own backyard. You know, what, what does it mean for you to do that? You know, if, if, if you had discovered, if you had discovered a cure for cancer, would you keep it to yourself? Of course not. You wanna, you wanna say, hey, I got the answer. You know, if, if you had the answer to the economic downturn of our country, I, I think a lot of us have an opinion on what we could do better, but, you know, but what if we say, man, I know, hey, this is it. This would, this would solve all of our problems, and our country would be debt-free, you know, and we would be, you know, uh, going the opposite direction. If we had the answer, and you knew the answer, would you keep that to yourself? No, you, you would try to get 
tell someone and say, hey, listen, this is it. This is the answer. And hopefully they'll listen, <laughs> you know? What if, what if you knew the answer to, to the true meaning and purpose of life? You say, man, I know the answer. I know, hey, I know the, the true meaning of life. Why we're here. And why we were made. And if you knew the purpose of life, you knew that answer, again, would you keep it to yourself? Would you keep it to yourself? And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of us, we know the answer. And we have kept it to ourselves. In fact, the survey, and I, I find this to be interesting, but survey has said that 80 to 85% of Americans said that they would accept an invitation to attend a church service or maybe some Christian uh, activity, church activity, 85% said they would come. They would come. However, only 2% of Christians ever invite others. Only 2%. I mean, that blew me away. 85% says, hey, invite me, and I'll, I'll likely come. I may not come on that Sunday, but eventually I'll come. 85% said, you ask me, I'll come. But only two out of 100 ever invite. And if only 2% of us ever share our faith with others, will we be able to say, when it comes to sharing Jesus with others, will we be able to say that we're all in? I don't think so. I mean, some of you here, you, you say, you know, I, I, I believe. And I, I think many of us, we believe in our heart. Yes, I need to share my faith. But when it comes to actually doing it, do we do it? When it, when it comes to doing it, do we actually share our faith? I want you to think about it. Think about the past month. Have, have you had a chance to share the gospel? Have you had a chance to invite someone to church? Maybe you have, that's awesome, but maybe you haven't. Let me ask you this, maybe, have, have you in the last month prayed by name, someone you know that don't know Jesus? You're praying for that person, say, God, give me the opportunity to open my mouth and to share Jesus or to invite them to church, to be a bringer. Have you led someone to Christ? Have you, have you, Talk to someone about Jesus. And unfortunately, a lot of us might say, no, I haven't. And we just, you know, we're all in in a lot of different areas, but when it comes to our faith, we kind of, we kind of hold back. And, and, and my next question is why? Why are we so reluctant not to share our faith? Uh, maybe for some of us it's fear. You know, I'm afraid if I share my faith or invite someone to church that they might reject me, they might, they might laugh at me, I might be mocked, you know, I, I might be embarrassed. Or maybe for some of you, the reason why you don't invite people or, or talk to people about God and about Jesus is, is because, you're, um, because of a lack of knowledge. Some of you might say, I just don't know enough about the Bible. What if they ask a question I don't have the answer to? I hear that a lot. You know, maybe for some of you, you're born into a lie, and a lie that religion, you know, it's got the personal decision. Now, people can kind of do whatever they want, and it's nobody else's business, and I don't want to pry, 
you know, what they want to do with their business, and, and honestly, that's my business too. And we bought into that lie that, that it's no one's business, and personal, that we can't and we shouldn't share our faith. What is it that's holding you back for being all in when it comes to your faith and sharing your faith? How do we share, and that's what we're going to talk about today, how do we share our faith? How do we become an inviter, a bringer with our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, friends? How do we do that without being you know, without being obnoxious or rude. How, how would we do that? And, and so how do we win people to Jesus? Now I want to check out this really powerful story about four guys in the Gospel of Mark. I want to read the story, and then we're going to kind of break it apart. Mark chapter 2, and verse number 1. The Bible says, a few, day late, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. The house was packed. Jesus was in the house, and the house was so packed it was overflow. So not even outside the door, the Bible said. There's no room left, not even outside the door. And, And the Bible said that Jesus preached the word to them. And some men came they showed up, right? They, bring, they brought to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get his friend to Jesus, get their friend to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. Then lowered the mat, the, man that was, the, the, the mat that the man was laying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Notice, you know, before Jesus healed the guy, and he healed the guy in verses 11 and 12, but before he does that, he goes after, he goes after the bigger need, the biggest need, his spiritual need, his spiritual condition, and he heals and he forgives of his sins. He went after his spiritual condition first, but here's what I love about this story, is that these four unnamed guys, they cared so much about their friend that they went all in to do whatever it takes, short of sin, to get their friend to Jesus. And, I, and so today I want to show you three big thoughts on how you can have a winning hand and how you can win others to Jesus, how you can care for people in a way that they know who Jesus is. How you can do that in your neighborhood, in your family, in, your, in, the, in, the, in the marketplace. How you can share Jesus. Point number one, if you're taking notes. Got to bear some burdens. Bear some burdens. The first thing I believe that God calls all of us as Christ followers is to bear some burdens to care for those who are in a place of hurt or in need of their lives. In fact, this is exactly what we see in verse number three. Some men came, they brought to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. They saw a need. 
Now, what I want you to notice here is that they didn't say to their friend, their paralyzed friend, they said, hey, buddy, um, listen, uh, I hear Jesus is going to be in town next week. You should buy a ticket, go to the concert where Jesus is, call up an Uber, and find your way in front of Jesus, and if you get to Jesus, maybe he'll heal you. That's not what we see here. We see here the opposite. These guys right here say, hey, buddy, we're going to get you to Jesus. I don't care. We don't care if we have to carry you five miles. We don't care if we have to carry you two, ten miles. We don't want to just get you to Jesus. We have to get you to Jesus. We just have to. And they, they cared so much that they were willing to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. You see, these guys, listen, I promise you, they didn't have all the answers. But you know what they had? They had a heart to care. They had a heart to care. And oftentimes, that's our hangout. You know, I heard it before, and I've, heard it, I, I've said a little quote before, and, and you probably heard it from me, you probably heard it from somebody else, and I've seen so many people get taking credit for this quote. And, and in fact, today, because I don't know who's taking credit, I'm gonna take the credit, okay? It's so good. Uh, so if you tell me, Pastor Scott said it, whatever, right? But here it is. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they first know that you care. You care. And many times when it comes to sharing our faith or inviting someone to church with them, I just don't have the answer. But listen, people are just looking. But I just want you to know that you care. Do you care about me? Are you involved in my life? And as followers of Christ, we're going to bear some burdens. We're going to carry them. And that's exactly what we see here in the story. They, they carried their friends to Jesus. They did whatever it takes. I want you to put yourself in the, in the sandals of these four guys, in the sandals of these four men. Because I, I, what they didn't do is just invite them. Hey, you go, you go see Jesus. They, they, they carried them. And I'm going to challenge you as a church. And I don't just invite somebody. Do whatever you've got to do. To, no, go pick them up if you have to. Or, or, or say, hey, I'm at the 1030 service. I make room for you. Come sit with me. And if you come, listen, I promise you, if you come, I will take you out to lunch, my dime. Be more than your dime. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? I said, hey, I will pay for you. I, I want to do whatever it takes. Don't do the drive-by, hey, Jesus loves you, buddy, and then keep on going. Get, get into their lives. Be involved. And these four guys, I want you to get in their shoes. They're, they're, they're walking Jesus. They're, they're, they're walking their friend. They're taking their friend to Jesus. And what's crazy is, as they get closer to the house, they can hear Jesus in the house, but then they come across this big old crowd of people, jam-packed. There, there's no way for them to get into the house. They're trying to get to the house, they're trying to get there, but they can't. They see all these people, their backs turn against them. I mean, you can almost hear it. As these guys are carrying the mat, 
They can almost hear the people say, oh, Jesus, that was so good. Oh, I love that. And they're writing down, oh, Jesus, that was so thought-provoking. I'm going to tweet that later today. I'm going to put that on Facebook. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure, oh, oh, Jesus, that was awesome. Instagram hashtag, hanging out with Jesus, so good. I mean, I mean it's so good. And they're all so involved with what's happening. But they had their back turned against the need of a man who needed Jesus. And I got to thinking about this for a few minutes, and I thought, you know, sometimes that's how we see in our, little, in our churches. We, we, we can get so caught up into our little holy huddles that we can be oblivious to the world out there. And listen, I'm all about Christians, hanging out with Christians, and, 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 and we need that. That's discipleship. You know, we do life together. But there's power when we have our eyes open beyond our struggles looking for those who are like the paralyzed man. They're, they're looking for the broken. They come in, they come in our doors. They sit among us every week. And they come in looking for someone to make eye contact. I say, I'm so glad you're here. You're by your, and maybe they're sitting here, maybe they come by themselves today. And they say, hey, you're here by yourself. Yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, where you from? Why, why don't you sit with me? You can come sit with us if you like. You don't even have to push it. No, no, I'm good. So, all right, but at least you show that you cared. I, I call it being missionaries in our pews, our chairs. Being missionaries right here, looking around. Because every week, I promise you, there's someone that shows up to church. They're hurting. They're in pain. And they're looking for someone that cares. I said, well, Scott, that's your job. Well, you know, they know that. They said, well, Scott, you get paid to do that. You know, that's what they think. You know, I mean, you know, of course you care, but what about everybody else? What about you? You see, oftentimes we say, yeah, I, I care about people. We say that in our hearts, but in our actions, it says otherwise. Our actions said we don't care. I mean, in our hearts, we do care, but our actions don't show it. We don't show that we care. And I believe with all my heart that if you're a follower of Jesus, we're all called to bear some burdens. You know, if, if people are hurting, listen, we're there with them. If, if people are crying, we're crying with them. When, you know, when things are going well, when they have a baby, we're there with them, we're celebrating with them. You know, when, when there's a death or when they're um, going through a physical illness, we're there with them, we're there for the family, we do what we can, we bear each other's burdens. We care about people. You know, I want to get practical for just a minute. Can we get practical? You know, some of you are like, okay, Scott, I hear you, I hear you. You know, I, I don't need to be part of the 2% that don't, that, you know, I, don't, I need to be more than the, you know, I need to be part of the 2%. In fact, we need to, we need to be open in our mouth. I get it, I get it. I do care. You know, what, what can I do? I'm going to give you an elevator pitch. You know, sometimes you, as you interact with people, and the whole, I, I think most of us, we, can inter, we interact with people. I mean, you have a life, you know, in your neighborhood, in your jobs, and, you know, maybe at the, at, the, at the gym. And then you interact with people, and you've got people that's in your circle. 
People that you, you know, on a weekly basis, maybe every other day, maybe every day, you know, but you have people that you cross paths every day or every, every week on a regular basis. Hey, listen, it, it could be your Bible or hairstylist. You know, you, you know, you see that person maybe once a, once a month or, you know, and you see that person, but they're in your circle. And as you build a relationship, you're not, you're not going in on a cold call, like, the, hey, I just met you. I mean, you, and by the way, I, we can do that. I mean, I invited a bunch of people yesterday. I've never met them before. And, and yeah, do that. But I'm talking about, you know, if you really want to make a difference, if you want to be impactful, build a relationship. And then at some point, you'll get to know that person. And at some point, Guess what? They're, they're going to go through a crisis in life. Listen, every person in the world will go through a, a crisis point. They might be going through a divorce. Or, or they, might have lost, they might have lost their jobs. Or, or, they, or they've been hit financially tough. You know, they, they're just struggling financially. Or, or maybe there's an illness in, uh, in their family. Or a death in their family. Or maybe they have... You know, they're young parents, and they finally, you know, they, they had their firstborn. They feel overwhelmed with life. So, oh, man, we got a baby, and we don't know what we're doing, <laughs> you know. And here's the elevator pitch. As you start to talk with them, and as you try to invite them to church, I'll give you three thoughts here. You can say, hey, buddy, I know life is complicated. Because life is tough. It's a life is complicated. This is, man, God. I'm going through the rough times, man. I, and I should listen to them. Say life is complicated. I know that. Here's the second thought to this elevator pitch. Part two, you want to get it right. I mean, everybody wants to get it right. I don't know anybody that wants to get it wrong. I mean, if you're a young parent, you want to get it right. If you're going through a, a, a difficult time in your marriage, you want to get it right. You know, if you're, if you're struggling financially, you want to get it right. You don't want to make it worse. And you say, no, I know life is complicated. And you want to get it right. And at my church, number three, we want to help. We care. We just want to help. Come to church. Come sit with me. I, I, I'll pick you up. I come, I come swing by. Say, no, 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 that's not necessary. I can meet you. No, no, I, I come pick you up if you want me to. And if you come, I have a seat saved for you. And I take you out to lunch. Do whatever it takes. Life is complicated, right? I say, I, I, I've got young kids and they're overwhelming. I know life is complicated. And you want to get it right? Yeah, I want to get it right. We want to help. We want to help. Come sit with me. You know why we do that? You know why we want to help people? You know why we invite people? We invite people because we believe that Jesus makes our lives better. It makes us better at life. We invite people because we believe, we absolutely believe that Jesus is the answer, that he will make us better and make us better at life. That's why we, that's why we have the conversation with people. Yes, I know, I know it's a little, you know, your hand gets a little sweaty, knees start to shake a little bit, so, man, I'm going to start talking about Jesus. But listen, it's a conversation that matters. That is, the, that is the meaning of life and the purpose of life. It's all about Jesus. 
But that starts with the heart to listen and the heart to care. And having our radars, having our antenna always up, listening for those opportunities, because everybody can go through a storm, a personal storm. And it's in no personal storm when they're looking for answers. They're looking for help. And where you can step in and say, hey, buddy, you, you know I've invited you to church before, but listen, I know life is you're going through a rough time. I know it's, it's tough. I know, you're, I know you're trying to figure it out. But if you come to church, we, we, we care, and we want to help. We want to help. And these four guys, they saw their friend and said, man, life is complicated, buddy. And I know you want to walk again. And I know somebody who can make it all better. We got to get you to Jesus. We got to get you to Jesus. Number two, the second thing we see in the story, and some of you are going to like this one, I think, is that God is going to call some of us, well, in fact, he's going to call all of us to break some rules. Break some rules. How many of you in here are rule followers? Raise your hand. Uh, I see you. I see you. And Karen got her hands up because I know. I'm the opposite. I break the rules. How many of you are rule breakers? All right, all right. You're my kind of people. All right, there you go. They break the rules. You know, I mean, I'm the guy that's walking on someone's grass, right? You know, it's not my, not my lawn, but I'm like, you know, it can't like walking the sidewalks. I mean, that, she's a rule follower. And I'm, I, listen, I'm the guy that breaks the rule. Like, they told me no swimming, you know, after you eat for at least 30 minutes. I broke that rule. You know, when I was a kid, I sit in the front seat. I didn't put my seatbelt on. I broke that rule. I didn't need seatbelt. I had my mama, my mama. You know, she stopped hard. The arms just kind of, <laughs> you know, breaking the rule, baby. You know, I mean, listen, I broke the rule. Listen, I ran with scissors and had a lollipop in my mouth at the same time. <laughs> breaking the rule. Here's what I'm talking about here. When, when, when it comes to breaking the rules, I'm talking about breaking spiritual religious rules that sometimes we put up. I'm, I'm not talking about sinning here. Now, I, I'm not condoning that. You know, we don't do whatever it takes, even if we have to sin, to end, you know, to, you know, to, to end justify the means. I'm not doing that. But I'm saying do whatever it takes short of sin. In other words, sometimes we need to think outside the box. Think outside the box. And, um, and, and, and so in this story, we see these four guys. They broke uh, some rules to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. So again, look at verse 4. They couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. Watch this. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, now don't miss this. As these guys get closer to the house, they're thinking, no, we got to get our friend to Jesus. We got to get our friend to Jesus. We have to get our friend to Jesus. We have to. And Jesus is teaching, the people are listening. You know, and they get closer to a while, it's so crowded. How are we going to get to Jesus? 
I mean, we have to get them to Jesus, but how are we going to do it? And they look around and say, roof. We got to get on the roof. Uh, let me, you know, to understand this story, you need to understand a, a little bit of carpentry lesson here uh, of the time period. The way that they build their houses, and they will build these roofs with, uh, with these long wooden beams. And these beams will be about three feet apart. Y'all with me? And, 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 and then on top of the roof, they would they bring up all kinds of debris and mud, sticks, you know, leaves, whatever they can find. They can pile it up there, more mud, more dirt, and manure. We said manure, uh, manure, that's right. Uh, manure, listen, manure was all about holding that roof together because what would happen is that manure acted, acted like a fertilizer. And over time, that fertilizer would develop the, you know, grass on the roof because the, the roots from the grass start to hold that roof together and it was solid, so solid that, that a person in that house could actually walk up, you could, those stairs, you could take these little side stairs to the roof of the house and you could actually take a nap. There was a place for social affairs during the daytime. There was no light in the house, they didn't have electricity, so if they wanted to, you know, the, the sunshine, what better way to do it than to be on the roof of your house? And, and, and so here you got these four guys, right? And, and they get up on top of the roof. I don't, I don't know how they dug through the roof. The Bible didn't say, maybe, maybe, maybe one guy was like a boy scout, right? You know, maybe he was like, hey guys, <laughs> good thing I brought a shovel. You never know when you need one. You know, I don't know, but you know, I, they, but they're on the roof. And, and the Bible says they're digging through the roof. Now remember, one of the things that the roof was made of. Y'all with me? I mean, y'all sleeping here? What was one of the things that the roof was made of? Manure. Okay, <laughs> all right. I mean, listen, sometimes you have to dig through you know what? Manure. You have to dig through the junk, the mess, in order to get people to Jesus. And I, I, and I love the analogy of fishing. fishing. You know, and Jesus called fishers of men. You know, the disciples to be fishers of men. You're not fish for people, you're gonna fish for men. You know, one of the ways to catch a fish, in real life, you got to think like a fish. You, you got to be on their level. And sometimes you might have to get dirty, might get a little muddy in order to get that fish. And sometimes to get people for Jesus, sometimes you have to roll up your sleeves and be willing to get in the mess of their lives and do whatever it takes to think outside the box and break some rules. To break some rules. What religious rules do you need to break? What are some of the out-of-box thinking that you need to do in order to reach that neighbor, that friend, that family member, to reach them for Jesus? You know, when I was in the um, high school, I was, uh, I think, 11th, 12th grade, and we've been witnessing 
to our neighbors for use. Invite them to church, come to church. And they were just unchurched people. They, they had nothing to do with church. And, uh, and they had two boys. They were a little, a little bit older than me. You know, I, I think about maybe five or six years older than me. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, they just never come. And we were never rude, we were never obnoxious. We always offered an invitation, right? And then one day, um, we got a knock on our house, and, and it was one of the sons at the, at the house, and he, he was kind of, um, you could tell that something was bothering him. And, and he, he just needed someone to talk to. Started talking to me, and said, I'm just, I'm just going through a, a patch of my life. And I'm just a 17-year-old kid, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, still trying to understand what, what she's talking about a little bit, but he's talking about, you know, just, just issues and relationships. And, and, um, and he said, you know, Scott, I know you always talk about Jesus. I don't know what I'm looking for. I, I, just, I just need a friend. I said, hey, hey, buddy, whatever I can do to help you. What, what? He said, no, we started talking. And, 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 and then he said, you know, Scott, um, after some time passed, he said, Scott, have you thought about, you know, I used to run. I used to be a marathon runner. I mean, you know, I ran marathons. It's just that, you know, I, I haven't ran, ran in a few years. And I could really use a buddy, a running buddy. Would you like to be my running buddy? And, and I'm like, sure. <laughs> and my heart says, no. I hate running. What a passion. I mean, I hate it. I mean, and, uh, so, so we like to run. I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, how, how, how far are we going to run? <laughs> you know, he said, well, I'm thinking 5K. And I'm like, what's a 5K? You know, and he said, well, it's about three miles. I said, three miles. I said, okay, I understand three miles. Oh, wow. Okay. And he said, but God, we won't start 5K, to, you know, tomorrow. I said, oh, we're doing this thing tomorrow. I said, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow. You know, when you get home from school. I said, well, I get home and, you know, yeah, okay. And so sure enough, I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm praying two things. God, I know, I know this is an opportunity, so I hope he come. But then, God, I hope he doesn't come. <laughs> I'm conflicted here. And so sure enough, he come knocking on, uh, on the door and says, God, you ready? He's got his jogging, you know, shorts on and running shorts on and his shoes. And I said, yeah, I guess so. And so we started running. And I thought, you know, this thing's not going to last very long. They kept on going and going and going. Before you know it, I'm running 5Ks. I'm the slowest 5K runner in my division, but I'm running it. I'm running it. It's a little messy. I'm getting at his level. It's out of the box. It's out of my comfort zone. But I thought, you know what? If this is what I got to do to build a relationship and reach him for Jesus, I will. And eventually, he, he still hasn't showed up at church yet kind of talking about it eventually, though, after about six, seven months of running. I said, Scott, I think I'm going to come to your church on Sunday. Oh, good. <laughs> Does that mean I can quit running? Yeah. <laughs> Which I did it. I kept running, right? I kept running. But he showed up at church and started coming to church. He heard the gospel. I mean, I've shared the gospel with him, but he heard it in a fresh, fresh way. And one of those Sundays, he came and gave his life to Christ. It's getting messy. Sometimes you got to get messy. Step outside of your comfort zone. 
Roll up your sleeve and break some rules. In fact, we're breaking some rules in a couple of weeks. Most churches don't bring a mafia person to church to tell their stories. You know, I, I, I get interesting responses. I mean, you can just go on Facebook. You see the response on our Facebook threads. It's, uh, it, it's there. It's real. And, and listen, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was so out of ordinary that we would get pushback from, from people that don't quite understand why a church would bring someone who is a high up in the Colombo crime family, one of the five field families in New York City. He was thrown into prison by Rudy Giuliani, who eventually became the mayor of New York. And so this guy right here was high up and met Christ and came out of it. And what, and he got a story with a hook. I, like I said, I, I've handed out so many invitations yesterday, and, I, and this is how I tell people. I say, hey, uh, I've got this invite card. By the way, we have invite cards. When you walk out, grab some if you haven't gotten it. I'll I, I pull this out. We got, I, I say, hey, we've got a former mafia guy coming to our church, and automatically that, that people, it gets people attention. Mafia at, at late point. Mafia at church. I said, yeah, he was portrayed in Goodfellas, and a lot of people say, oh, I know that movie. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're portrayed in Goodfellas. You know, and, and I wouldn't recommend watching, the, you, know, you know, watch the TV version of it. It kind of takes the edge off of it, you know. It's, it's kind of hardcore a little bit language-wise, but, you know, Goodfellas. And, um, and so portrayed in Goodfellas, and, and, and people are like, okay. I, and I've gotten so many interesting responses. In fact, some people say, I've heard of this guy. When is he coming? I want to come. The hook. The hook a man for Jesus. It's very rare to have opportunities like this at late point. I mean, sometimes I bring in guest speaker, but you know, I had a guest speaker a couple of weeks ago. His name was Tim Payne. And now, some of you might know who he was because I've talked about him in times past. And, and, uh, but that wasn't somebody you could go, go to your neighbor and say, hey, you got to come to late point on Sunday. Tim Payne's coming. And we're like, Tim Payne? Who's Tim Payne? Oh, you know, it's a friend of, 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 of Pastor Scott. We're not going to be like, well, who Pastor Scott? That's all I can. It's going to be awesome. Okay, okay, well, I, I'll go with awesome. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> you know, but here's a hook. I mean, listen, don't waste the opportunity. Let's get messy. And let's invite people to hear a story of a life transformation. And his story might just impact your friend's life. It just might, but they can't, they won't hear it if you don't invite and get a meal. And so these four guys, they were willing to embrace the mess. They were willing to dig through the manure to do whatever it takes to get their friends to Jesus. Here's the step number three and we're done. To have the one in hand, you got to see God's power at work. When you do one and two, you'll see God show up. Because at the end of the day, it's not you that does the saving. It's all about Jesus. 
we see God's power at work. Mark chapter 2, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then in verse 11 and 12, he said, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And then he got up, he took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. He, got, he was healed. Not only was he healed spiritually in verse 5, but he was healed physically in verse 12. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. See, my friend, the greatest evidence of the power of God, the greatest evidence. It's not a miracle. It's not a healing. The greatest miracle, the greatest evidence is a changed life. Changed life. God is still changing lives today. And if you're a follower of Christ, your life has been changed. You used to be self-centered. Now you're more God-focused. You're centered on God. And that's why the greatest evidence of the power of God is to change in your life and mine. And there's so many people in our community, they're looking for answers. They're like this paralyzed man, they're looking for answers. They're seeking peace, happiness, fulfillment, security. They've tried everything, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they've tried everything, and they're still empty. Story of Muhammad Ali, famous boxer, greatest boxer of all time. After he retired, Sports Illustrated um, magazine sent a, 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 a reporter to kind of interview him and to kind of see what life was, you know, what life for Muhammad. They went to his house. And he's looking around the house, he's looking for Muhammad Ali's, all his memorabilia, you know, all of his belts and, and trophies and, and championship, you know, everything. And it was kind of empty. And, he's, and then the reporter's like, hey, where's all your stuff at, Muhammad? I mean, where's your, where's your famous championship belt? And he said, oh, I, I got it upstairs. I said, well, let's see it. So he follows him upstairs, and Muhammad Ali takes him to the attic of his house. And, and he goes in, and then a dusty attic, and started pulling out all of his stuff, and it's all covered with dust. The reporter was like, Muhammad, this should be out in the open. Why, why is this up here in the attic? And the reporter noticed something in his interview with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali started to break down and cry. The greatest, the goat, started crying in his own home. And he looked at the reporter and said, listen, I had the world by its tail. And it ain't nothing. Empty. I'm going to challenge you. We got people, a community full of people who are just empty lives. After all the stuff and possession that they have, they're still empty. But we have the answer. Life is complicated. You want to get it right. And we want to help. Here's my challenge for you, the takeaway. I'm going to wrap this up. I went over time today. You know, if you go to the first service, I always get done on time. Because I know y'all coming. You know, so, you know, you get the short version. You get the second version here. You get the longer version. But anyway, um, we'll wrap this up here. Here's the takeaway. 
Who are five people in the next two weeks that you're willing to roll up your sleeves, dig through some manure, think outside the box, and get him, get her, get the family here for that weekend microfriendly three services. We added extra service to make this happen. Saturday night, five o'clock, the two services on Sunday morning. How many says, God, I'm gonna do whatever I can. I'm going to, first, I'm gonna pray for five names. Maybe some of you, it's 10 names, I don't, I don't know, but I want you, I'm gonna challenge you to start with five. Get some invite cards and ask God for the door to open. And so, like, God, I don't know that the doors is open. You know, they could have said that about the, the paralyzed man. Door closed, roof is sealed. They bust through that barrier because they didn't want, they didn't just want to get this man to Jesus. They had the attitude of, we have to get this man to Jesus. We have to do this. And if you have a mindset of this, I have to do this. I do whatever it takes to get my friend to hear a story of the gospel of what Jesus did in that man's life and Michael Franzi's life change my friend's life for eternity. Five names. I want you to write them down. Uh, in your handout, write those five names down. Make that a reminder this week. you got two weeks. Two weeks to do this. Let's flip the script. 80, 85% of people said they would come if they were invited. Only 2% of it are doing the job, though. My challenge is Let's flip it. 98% of us go out and do it. Let's be different. Let Lake Point Church care so much about the people in our, in our, in the outside the four walls of our building that love people to Jesus. We build their burdens. We break some rules. And then we step back and watch God show off his power and a life that has been changed for eternity. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Hey, this is, this, is, uh, this is locker room talk right here. Come on, let's get out there. Let's get her done. Because life is short. And eternity is long. And heaven is real. But so is hell. Let's do our part and go on all in with the winning hand for Jesus. God, we ask you to help us today to flip the script. Help us, God, I pray for 98% to go all in the next two weeks to do whatever it takes, to bear some burden, to show that we care. And we care for their soul, their eternal soul, because one day this life will be one and done. It'll be too late. So God, help us to make the most of today because we're not guaranteed tomorrow to share Jesus with someone that needs to know who he is. We have the answer to the true meaning and purpose of life. And God, by your power, I pray that you give us the power 
to be courageous, to be bold, to be a bringer, an inviter, and tell someone about Jesus. I pray for the next two weeks, we take those five names. We pray about those five people every day. God, if they don't show up to my friends these Sunday, that's okay, God. I pray that we don't quit. Hey, give up. Loving people to Jesus. God, I pray that it's not two weeks. I can't wait to see what you're going to do through all three services. But God, I pray that we do the work, all of us, to invite somebody. In Jesus' name, amen.